0: and hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek and letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it. And of course, a special day, Veterans Day, as we say thank you to all those who are and have served for our country, protected our country. We thank you for your service. And we really appreciate all that you have done, the sacrifices that you have made and continue to make to keep us safe and strong. So thank you to all of our veterans. Well, on our program today, lots and lots of numbers to go over. We have WASDA numbers out from yesterday, uh, we also will be uh, talking about some pork export numbers. Those are pretty good. We'll be talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We'll be talking with an economist with the United Soybean Board. And we have more numbers. We have the latest ag equipment sales numbers. We'll be talking about those with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. So a lot of numbers to go over and see what stories they have to tell as we go through them today. We'll start off with that. Joe Camp is with us, Director of Managed uh, Plans for Comstock Investments. And Joe, let's take a look at that WASDE report yesterday. Adjustments continue to be made. And, of course, the news uh, that we're continuing to show tighter stocks.
2: Hi, Mike. Yeah, tighter stocks indeed. From the WASDE report out yesterday, it's a big change from where we were a couple of months ago and even bigger when you look back to the start of the reporting season. When we get going in May, the USDA releases these reports to project the year ahead and all of a sudden we're looking at drastic differences. Corn ending stocks dropping now by about half of where they started and now soybeans awfully tight at at, uh, just barely over 200 million bushels. So a different story.
0: Soybeans have been getting most of the headlines. We we knew that number was uh, shrinking, but we've kind of been watch, watching and waiting to see what would happen with corn. Were you surprised that uh, that number tightened as much as it did?
2: Yes, because we did not, uh, by we, I, I say the trade, when you go into the report and you see the analyst surveyed average guesses for corn yield, looked for it down maybe a bushel per acre from the 178.4 offered last month. Instead, it was down to 175.8. So a couple, two, almost three off of the average guess, and and that added to what was also an improvement for demand a little bit more than anticipated, 300 million bushels, uh, some added to the export forecast because of what we saw, and finally some catching up of the Chinese demand outlook.
0: So we have those adjustments of crop size and improved exports, but are, are these numbers reflective of adjustments going further back than that, perhaps?
2: Only in terms of uh, catching up for what we know about yield, because we did not see uh, any material uh, changes to acres on this report that was taken care of in the October update. Uh, Instead, it's it's just about a realization, I think uh, more than anything, about uh, the usage uh, uh, going forward Uh, not only going forward, but what we've experienced so far. For example, the Chinese number, which got the headline here uh, yesterday and has been talked about for some time, given the pace of corn sales to China, now outstanding commitments at almost 9 million tons here. And uh, that's well above the 7 million tons that USDA had marked down for the total demand for the year. And so they did raise that to 13 million tons That's going to be real key to watch, as everybody talks about, if we can turn those sales commitments to China into sales shipments, then we're going to continue to see uh, this tightening of the balance sheet and the USDA finally uh, catching up in a big way yesterday.
0: So we see what China does. We watch crop progress in South America. But does this report, do these numbers then uh, give a strong footing for strong prices going through the winter? I think they do. In terms of
2: just the ending stocks number that traders like to look at so closely when we're talking about fundamental basis for the market, it's 1.7 billion bushels for corn. That's by no means uh, 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 tight uh, or overly worrisome. But when you look at the outlook, as you mentioned, for South America and now tightening projections already for the corn exp- export uh, you know, competition from big producers like brazil already what we know about dryness in the black sea faced by ukraine this region uh, prevailing tailwinds in terms of uh, do- dollar weakness and export terms that favor the u.s so it's good to have this store of corn and it's it looks a lot tighter again than it did um many months ago and, and even Uh, a couple of months ago when the USDA kicked off this effort to start tightening the outlook. And for soybeans below 200 million bushels, that is getting tight. And if the demand continues as we would expect, favorable demand, of course, out of China, but uh, elsewhere too, then we're looking at a, a run on
0: available supply of soybeans. How unusual is it to have this big of a change in this short a period of time?
2: Well, I think you'd be asking in some ways how unusual would it be uh, for us to have these major, in in some ways, black swan type events of, say, African swine fever or or the uh, Chinese trade war. Many uh, maybe could have seen that coming given the relations, but the impact that it had on prices and on on demand out of the world's top buyer and the relationships they're with. So you talk about COVID and now the worries that that brings into the mix. We can give the analysts some credit, you know, uh, that it's been a tough uh, couple of seasons to estimate the supply and demand for these crops. Uh, So, unprecedented some of the change that we've been seeing and some of the misses that have been occurring coming into these crop reports, Uh, but hopefully we're starting to right the ship and, and come to uh, realization of what actually is out there and what actually might be ahead for the grains which looks a lot m- more improved the overall situation uh, coming into the next year.
0: Yeah I've mentioned this several times but in a year like this has been with so many unexpected things this is one of those that uh, just caught so many by surprise It's just a total flip of the script from where we were in June July.
2: Absolutely and I, I mentioned some of those so-called black swan events, and I didn't speak to the weather issues that have been experienced for many growers. Uh, we talk about um, the the hurricane season here this uh, this year being so active. That coming off of uh, drought issues for many, following the, you know the the overly wet conditions and what we know about the planning woes of, of years ago, a couple of years ago. So it's been
0: something yeah, as, you, as you would do for sure. Joe, good to talk with you. Thanks for your perspective. Always appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you. Take care. Joe Camp with Comstock Investments. Well, some impressive meat export numbers as well, not just to China, but to other places as well, especially on the pork side. We'll talk about it next with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. <music> Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Atoms on Agriculture, the U.S. Trade Representative has announced it is suspending $817 million in trade preferences for Thailand because the country has not made sufficient progress providing the U.S. with equitable and reasonable market access for pork products. Let's talk about it with Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. What was Thailand doing or not doing that you objected to?
2: The United States is the biggest pork exporting nation in the world. It's got a product, It's second to none. And in any given year, we export to over 100 countries. But Thailand is not one of them because they have a de facto ban on our product. It's not right. We were patient. We worked with successive administrations, and diplomatic overtures were rejected. So we had no choice but to work with the Trump administration to threaten to take away Thailand's special trade benefits unless they provide market access for U.S.
0: pork. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
4: A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: Do you know how to keep food safe at home?
5: Clean, separate, cook, and chill.
3: The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive fast cooking should still be safe cooking, and bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
5: Clean, separate, cook,
3: and chill. For more information visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-Hotline.
0: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
0: Now, back to Mike Adams. All right. Let's look now at some meat export numbers, especially pork. Some encouraging numbers. And as we talk it over with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, I guess two parts to this: good export numbers, and the fact that it's not just China. We have other key markets as well buying a lot from us.
6: Yes. Good morning, Mike. And yes, you're exactly uh, right. Um, the um, the exports for September on pork came in really about where we expected uh, 10% growth year-on-year, year, but but you hit it. China was up, but it wasn't the only market up. Um, broad-based growth, which uh, which is encouraging. We saw increases, uh, significant increases in Japan, Vietnam, Philippines, Taiwan, Chile, the Caribbean, uh, several markets. And... Uh, uh, so we're very encouraged by that, and and one of the drivers here in Asia specifically is that um, uh, the the demand in Asia is really getting back. It varies a little bit by country, but in general, really getting back to normal. Um, a lot of activities are happening, in-person activities, um, consumptions rebounding, the economies are rebounding. So it's really a a, a perfect uh, storm, so to speak, for um, increased business in the Asia region.
0: Now, I want to look at some of those other countries in a moment, but let's talk about China because there's um, more and more speculation about will their purchases of our pork products start slowing now that they're kind of restocking and rebuilding after African swine fever.
6: Yeah, I think, I think that's a given, Mike. Uh, the question is to what degree. Um, we, we do know, we have some general data out of uh, China that indicates that uh, repopulation is happening. The most recent statistics from the China's Board of Statistics, uh, the NBS, indicates that the hog herd is around 370 million, which is up 21% from last year. Uh, Breeding sows are also up to 38 million, up 28% year on year. I mean, you could debate the exact numbers, but no doubt the trend is that they are in the process of repopulating. And then USDA has also put out some numbers, the Foreign Ag Service, estimating China's pork production. Um, For this year, they're estimating um, production of 38 million metric tons, which is down 11% from last year, 2019. But the estimates for 2021... Are another 9% of growth up to 41.5 million metric tons. So once again, these numbers could be debated, but the trends are going in that direction. So I think what this means is that uh, we're going to have a record year globally and a record year for the U.S. this year in China, but the trend lines into 2021 and beyond will, will be coming down. Our forecast is a reduction going into 2021 we'll still have a good year for china but it won't be the record of 2020.
0: we're talking with dan hallstrom president and ceo of the u.s meat export federation so dan as that market perhaps cools some the china market that puts more emphasis on these other markets that we were talking about earlier
6: exactly and and this has been a strategy that usmef and our our stakeholders like national pork board and and our exporter community. We've been working on this knowing that this ASF situation in China uh, would be a short-term situation. And uh, sure, we want to hold on to whatever share we can, but at the same time, we've been working aggressively to expand our presence uh, in some of these other regions. And uh, we named a few earlier, but there's a few others I didn't name. Uh, The Philippines is another one that's seen dramatic growth this year. And uh, a lot of a lot of points there uh, would indicate that there's a lot of opportunity for expansion. So, so yes, I think uh, I think diversification of markets, uh, not only on uh, pork but beef as well, uh, is definitely one of our strategies going forward.
0: What's your assessment of the situation with Thailand? We talked recently with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council about the uh, the trade issues there and the sanctions uh, uh, being put on. China uh, put on Thailand, what's your assessment of that of that market? Yeah,
6: I think Thailand's a good example of a smaller market that it's not going to be a, a Mexico or a Korea, but you know it, it, it definitely is uh, along the lines of some of the smaller emerging regions, and these are the sorts of markets we need access to so we can grow the business and And I know Thailand has been a big point of frustration um, getting over some of the uh, access hurdles. So I think these recent developments are a positive, and, uh, you know, we stand ready to, to, to move in uh, on, the, on the promotion side as well when the timing is right. So, yeah, I think, I think this is a sort of industry collaboration that really uh, uh, shines when we have these sorts of issues, and, uh, you know, hopefully it will pay off in the long term.
0: We see the COVID numbers unfortunately going up in several places again here in the US. What are we seeing in these markets around the world?
6: Yeah, it's um it's interesting. As I mentioned earlier, Asia uh I think the worst is behind us in general. Um you know, the the only country that has limited lockdowns in Asia right now would be Japan and I think I think they're moving into more of a scenario where there's there's going to be you – know, but before the end of the year, they'll be back to virtually no lockdowns on food service. Korea has recently emerged from lockdown uh, in their third wave. So there's been multiple waves in a lot of these countries. But for gen- in general, Asia is looking pretty good, and, and momentum is building – Economic growth is building, uh, food service is rebuilding, in some cases, food services back to pre-COVID levels in Asia. But to your point, the rest of the world remains a concern. And and one of the biggest areas of concern continues to be Latin America, Mexico, Central and South America. They went into lockdown after Asia, uh, after the U.S. It was really the last half of May when they entered into it. And they're still in it today. So... You know, I, I think uh, there's signs that tourism is starting to build a little bit. Uh, one of the cornerstones of demand down in Mexico and Central America, uh, but there's still a ways to go. So, you know, I think the infrastructure is such that uh, they that they cannot react as quickly. Uh, their online platforms were m- a much smaller base of the business uh, pre-COVID as compared to Asia. So while the online digital delivery platforms are growing quickly in Mexico. It's from a very uh, small base, so that's that's a, a, a bit of an opportunity as well. So, and then most recently Europe, uh, which is a significant market on the beef side. Uh, you know, Europe went back into lockdown in several key countries just last week. Um, you know, the UK, France, Germany, etc. So, yeah, uh, this. It's far from over in some parts of the world, but uh, but in general, you know, our offices around the world are envious of our Asian offices because the agent offices are, are quickly on the road to recovery. So it'll come in these other markets. It's just going to take a little bit of time.
0: I hesitate to look too far ahead. 2020 has taught us to be careful doing that, but... Do you feel pretty good about going into 2021 again still not knowing exactly where we are with COVID but hopefully coming out of it do you feel pretty good about uh, a strong year ahead
6: Mike I'm, I I I do um the the bottom line is COVID is disruptive it's chaotic shifting things quickly in a very fluid way between segments of consumption obviously food service in general is down retail is up uh, but the bottom line is, in total, people are still consuming. Um, and, and you know, this COVID thing globally has elevated the, the importance of confidence in the products, food safety, reputation, all this. And the U.S. has, if not the best in the world, one of the best in the world reputations along those lines. So, yeah, I think not only people consuming product in the midst of COVID-19, I think uh, I think that they are consuming, preferring to consume U.S. products in a lot of cases. So our estimates for 2020, uh, 2020 we'll start there. For the pork side, we will have a new record on pork in 2020, um, and we're forecasting for 2021 continued growth, although at a slower rate. Uh, we're looking at 2% 2 or 3% growth in 2021, which would be a yet another new record over the 2020 levels. On the beef side, September was a bit of an underperforming month. Uh, We were expecting a little more out of Asia um, than what was reported. We were down 6% in September. But we do know from the weekly data that there is a lot of sales in the pipeline that haven't shipped yet for Asia. And with some of the info I shared earlier about the activity in Asia, we see a bit of a rebound in the last uh, quarter of the year for beef. Uh, we will not be a new record. We'll still be down for the year, probably 3 or 4% in 2020. But honestly, we see a large, robust rebound in 2021 for beef. Uh, and our estimates show a new record in 2021.
0: Always good perspective, and I think I like the way you put it. Uh, people are still consuming meat, uh, just maybe doing it a little differently, a few more challenges getting it to them, uh, perhaps, but uh, they're still consuming. All right, Dan, good to talk with you. Thank you.
6: My pleasure, Mike. Thank you.
0: Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. You're listening to AOA. Zenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. I've seen a lifetime of farming, and the one thing you can count on is change. So, now there's a new inoculant for soybean growers from
1: Lalman Plant Care. The new Rhizobium species and unique technology, and
7: Lalfix Pro Yield Liquid Soybean deliver improved nitrogen fixation and iron uptake. I've seen a lot of change. But this, well this changes
0: everything. Contact your Lalleman sales representative today. Join us every Tuesday for a round the Table brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you. And we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for a round the Table every Tuesday
8: or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. It's time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A rally continues in soybean futures, follow-through buying on the bullish momentum from USDA's WASDE report yesterday. Dry weather seen in Argentina and parts of Brazil too, and we've got... Higher outside markets in some cases. Yesterday's WASD report was a surprise for some traders. It showed bigger cuts to U.S. grains production than some were expecting. U.S. government offices closed for Veterans Day today, but the U.S. futures are trending higher. USDA's outlook for soybean export demand continues to be strong, with the agency adjusting its ending stocks projection for U.S. soybeans down to 190 million bushels in the 2020-21 marketing year. An hour into the trading day, November soybeans up 11 cents, 11.49 and a quarter. January 11.56 and a half, up 10 and a half cents. In corn, December up three quarters of a cent, 4.23 and three quarters. March at 4.32. Up a penny. In Chicago, wheat December down a penny and three quarters, 606 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December steady at 561 and a quarter. Minneapolis Spring wheat December a penny and a quarter higher at 562 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, We've seen a narrow mix in the first hour of trading. December live cattle up 15 cents at 112.02, feeder cattle January down a dollar 5 at 139.35. The recent rally in corn futures has been putting some pressure on feeder cattle. Lean hog futures December down 32 On Wall Street, the Dow is down 54 points. Crude oil up a dollar 11. You're listening to AOA, I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
0: Well, a lot to unpack and go through in that uh, WASDE report uh, from yesterday, including some surprises. Let's get some more perspective on it from uh, Mac Marshall, an economist for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. Mac, thanks for joining us. Uh, What were your biggest takeaways from that WASD report? No, thanks
7: for having me, Mike. Um, Biggest takeaway is the uh, the downward revision on yields and the uh, consequent... um, Uh, revision or downward revision on uh, U.S. production uh, for this crop. Um, They took it down just under 100 million bushels on a 1.2 bushel per acre yield reduction. Um, And where that's really played a role in the balance sheets is bringing our ending stocks uh, for the 2021 marketing year down by another 100 million bushels um, following uh, the last uh, couple months of down revisions. And now we're looking at a very, very tight uh, carryout of 190 million bushels. It's about 15 days uh, use. And you've certainly seen that uh, the the impact of that reflected in the markets yesterday and today. Yesterday we had a 35 cent rally really across the futures curve Um, today. We're up, uh, you know, 10, 11 cents as well. uh, As I look at my terminal right now, so um, very tight balance sheet overall um, on on the U.S. side.
0: So we we knew this was happening with beans. The big big surprise, I guess, was how much they ratcheted down the the corn number yeah yeah i think
7: um you know we're really seeing uh things get trued up um from some of the uh, the dryness and production issues that we had earlier in the year certainly there's the derecho um, which impacted both corn and soy but corn you know uh, much more uh significantly and uh and you know that overlaid with uh continued strong demand uh i think particularly from china for, for really both corn and beans has uh has really tightened the balance sheets for both crops there um, it, but, you know, staying with beans for a minute, I'm also, when I was looking at the report yesterday, I was interested in seeing if there'd be any changes to the balance sheets in South America, as uh, there's been some slow starts to planting in Brazil and Argentina. Brazil's since caught up. Argentina's still got some dryness, and USDA took down uh, expected production by 2.5 million metric tons there, um, which naturally has the... A, a, an impact of of lower uh, overall global supplies and and tighter uh, carry out on a, on a global basis. So overall, you know, very, very bullish report. You're certainly seeing that reflected across the futures curve. um, And, uh, and the fundamentals are all there for overall price strength. Tomorrow we'll be looking for, uh, for, um, you know, what the latest export sales figures are. Those have continued at a very robust pace through the first nine weeks of the marketing year, and uh, and that's a, a big part of what's uh, been driving price as well and the overall balance sheet tightness.
0: We're talking with Mac Marshall, economist of the United Soybean Board the U.S. Soybean Export Council. So, Mac, where do you see this soybean market going? Well, I mean,
7: right now we're looking at the highest prices since uh, July 2016. It's certainly a great opportunity um, and the market's, you know, sending signals for farmers to take advantage of these high prices. Um, you know, again, over the next couple months, we're going to be looking to see how the crops develop in South America. That's going to uh, naturally have a big impact uh, in the latter half of the peak selling season for the U.S. and our peak export window. Um, so, uh, you know, lots to lots of monitor there as, as some of the production uh, shifts to uh, to the southern hemisphere. Um, but it's it's a great opportunity and uh, uh for farmers to take advantage of it um you know here at usEC and u s b we're keeping close eyes on the on the markets here um both in terms of domestic developments but also internationally uh to you know keep our uh, our farmers you know well informed throughout the season
0: okay, so a lot of farmers probably sold at ten dollars, some maybe uh had some beans left for the $11, uh, for those with still some left. Uh, what do you say to them? Well,
7: I mean, again, we've, we've got good marketing opportunities right now. Um, I mean, think about where we were back in August when there was expectation of a 4.4 4 billion bushel crop. There wasn't the same robust, uh, export pace that that we've had now. And we were still, you know, trading in, uh, in, in, you know, the low $9 range. So, you know, great opportunities, uh, to be had um you know uh you know we'll see we'll see again how south america evolves um because if, if if those crops uh, do turn out to be on the higher side and and usda still got you know brazil uh booked for you know record production uh even some of the conservative forecasters in the brazilian government have production at 135 million metric tons which is even higher than the usda number um if those figures come to fruition um you know uh that would, you know, maybe take some of the wind out of the sails on the uh the upward price movement that we've seen. Um, but you know, that's certainly something that bears monitoring over the next couple months.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that because really no one saw this big surge coming, this the flip of the script as I call it. So I'm wondering could it flip <laughs> back, but but when you're now working with the uh the the smaller stocks number. I mean, what we were dealing with before and the reason i i guess no one was calling for this big change is because stocks seem so so burdensome then all of a sudden when that change if if you're dealing with that uh, tighter stocks number doesn't doesn't that kind of suggest we won't see the the big as big a drop as we've we've seen increase here lately
7: yeah and then, and that's that's kind of where where i'm oriented really um you know what what you see is once Once your inventory figure gets below about 25 days use, that's when you really start to see prices pop. Um, We saw that, you know, back in 2013, 2014, when uh, we even had carryout go under uh, 100 million bushels, I think for the the 13, 14 marketing year, and prices were, you know, up around $14 then. Um, And and, and we're seeing, you know, a similar uh, type trend, maybe not an absolute price level, but certainly in the upward trajectory on uh, on price as uh, inventories have kind of, reached uh, a, a critically low uh, point that is supportive for significant price appreciation. Um, so, you know, I we'll, we'll see, again, how the, the rest of the export year goes. I mean, with Brazil effectively, you know, sold out and even, uh, you know, some rumors of, of doing some sourcing from the U.S., um, there's there's an opportunity for us for an increased export window, but naturally that's going to need more stru- uh, stock drawdown in the near term and, uh, and, and potentially higher price appreciation if that is what comes to fruition.
0: So we really now, it's almost like a weather market, right? We watch the weather in South America to see if they get the, the rain and good weather for their production, and we watch the weather here where it's dry in a lot of the uh, key production areas of the country.
7: Yeah, I think, you know, we've uh, certainly relative to 2019, where, you know, we had wet weather in the spring and wet weather at harvest and, and you know, significant uh, takedown of, of uh, production. And that was, again, in a in a lower price environment overall, because um, we had the stocks buffering it. But, you know, this year we've had favorable weather throughout harvest, which has been great. Um, you know, harvest across countries pretty much wrapped up. But having that really aggressive pace and favorable weather that enabled it has uh, also enabled us to get um you know large quantities of beans into off the farm and into export channels um you know to to take advantage of some really aggressive buying and um and and good prices and i I think it's also important to remember um you know when it comes to the international trade side of this that even with beans priced where they are where we've had this really you know significant run up in the past couple months. You know, they're still cheap on the open market for a buyer like China, which has significantly higher local soybean prices. So even with the rally here, um, you know, there, there's enough, I think, you know, pent-up demand either for usage or stockpiling that, that should uh, that should
0: continue. Any projections on uh, soybean acres for next year? It would seem we're buying acres. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd have to say so. I
7: think... Um, you know the, the the ratio you're always looking at, um, you know, between corn and beans and, and rotation is is uh, is the price ratio there. You know, historically, anything over two two point four in terms of soybean price divided by uh, by corn future price is, has been favorable for for soy. And you know, we're looking at a at a ratio that's uh, that's you know favorable for soybean plantings as well. Certainly, when you've had the highest prices and in four years and that's carrying out not just across the uh the futures curve for this marketing year but into the futures curve for next marketing year that's that's uh, supportive for uh for acreage expansion um you know when, when we move into 2021 but you know between now and uh when final planting decisions are made you know we've still got a south american crop to uh to think through and um you know certainly uh, as as your listeners as, as the farmers are Uh, making those decisions and planning um, we want to keep a a keen eye on on what's developing in other parts of the world um, to to make sure that we have optimal decisions for uh, for planting for this next year
0: sure nice to talk about higher prices after the long (laughs) downturn we've had
7: i couldn't agree with you more mike it's uh it's it's been a, a quite a sea change in the past uh past couple months here and um you know fortunately uh those higher prices are great news for uh, U.S. soybean farmers right now.
0: I don't think anybody predicted this. So, uh, I mean, if if you're in the forecasting business, if you're going to be wrong, it's good to be wrong this way, I guess, when the prices turn out to be higher than you were saying, rather than the other way.
7: You know, I, I always used to joke at conferences, um, you know, because uh, you, you'd go and you'd have people like me giving projections as economists, and you'd have You'd have weather services coming and giving expectations on La Nina, El Nino, and, and, and weather development. And, um, you know, I think being a market forecaster, anytime, uh, anytime you see a, a favorable price development that's above what you were looking at, it's, it's like the weatherman calling for rain and then getting a beautiful uh, sunny day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to get a, a, a more positive reception uh, when you're talking about higher prices, that's for sure. Mac, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you.
7: No, likewise, Mike. A real pleasure, and, uh, and thanks for the time today.
0: All right, take care. Mac Marshall, economist for the United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council. All right, so more numbers to go over. How are the ag equipment sales numbers looking? We have the latest numbers from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers coming up next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by
5: Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners. Broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the Fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301 Call now and get your first month free plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301 800-434-5301 That's 800-434-5301 800-434-5301
9: I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that.
4: How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site.
1: Our geeks literally come on site. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879.
4: A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
0: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Purdue ag economist Michael Langmeier joins us and there's a couple questions that were really interesting
6: related to current conditions. One of those is one of the questions that goes into the Ag Economy Barometer and the Index of Current Conditions, that basically asks whether their farm operation today is financially better off worse off, or about the same compared to a year ago. Those that said it was better off stand at 25%. That might sound low, but that's a full 10% above where it's been during the life of the survey. And so certainly that question, people were much more optimistic. The other one is we've been asking the last two or three months about cash rents in 2021. And when we asked that question in September, only 8% thought that cash rents in their area were going to go up. That increased to 38%. In October, and that tells me the profit prospects look a lot better, and that means
0: that they expect an upward pressure on cash rents. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
1: Adams on Agriculture conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
7: In your everyday business operations, there are endless things you can't control. Fuel prices don't have to be one of them. With the Average Price Contracting Program available at FS, we can provide you with a way to reduce the uncertainty of fluctuating fuel prices. It's a smart and convenient way for you to know what your fuel costs are going to be so that you can enjoy a little peace of mind. The Average Price Contracting Program at FS is just one
0: more way that we can help take your business further. Contact your FS energy specialist today. Visit
3: GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information.
0: Adams on agriculture is brought to you by Cenex premium diesel with Cenex premium diesel. You can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture. Now back to Mike
0: Adams. Well, we've looked at a lot of numbers today with the, uh, grains and with meat and for the most part pretty bullish optimistic about exports and supplies and certainly the rally in the grain markets does all this translate to better ag equipment sales let's talk about that with kurt blade senior vice president ag services for the association of equipment manufacturers kurt thanks for joining us uh what are the latest numbers telling us
6: well, as you, as you said in the lead-in, uh, a lot of numbers and a lot of bullishness out there. I think uh, the October numbers for tractor and combine sales here in the United States are positive across the board. Uh, we've seen a nice recovery. Uh certainly continues to be driven by that, uh, that small tractor market, but, boy, we're seeing some really nice signs of life in row crop tractors and chore tractors and articulated ployable drive tractors and self-propelled combines. It's a positive story across the
0: board. Well, uh, a market rally like we have seen will certainly improve attitudes and increase optimism, doesn't it?
6: Absolutely. You've got, to, you've got uh, you know when farmers are in their in their combines and and seeing the crop uh, and the crop actually in, in a lot of cases looks pretty good. Obviously, there's some pockets that are that are not, but uh, there's a lot of crops that look pretty good. Uh, and uh, then couple that with some good prices, obviously that uh, that changes your attitudes a lot that uh, that that causes people to really think about their capital investments we were starting to see that in October with these October numbers and and with this rally we've had this past week on prices I would uh, I would certainly hope that 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 momentum will continue through October and all, all the way through the end of the year so we can end 21 as a positive or in 2020 as a positive year for uh, ag equipment sales
0: which at times this year would have seemed hard to imagine. I'll tell you what, Mike, when we were talking
6: this time last year, uh, if, if you recall, I had mentioned that uh, our, the economists that we trust the most was pointing to 2020 being a down year for ag equipment sales and gross farm income in general. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, that, that was holding true at the beginning of the year, and then, uh, then the pandemic hit, and, uh, and all of a sudden we started to see some, some, uh, some numbers that looks, started to look pretty positive. Now, certainly, there's been some, some, uh, some, some payments to to farmers, and the government support's been a little bit stronger than maybe anticipated, and that's that's led to a higher gross farm income. But I'll tell you what; I think our manufacturers are pretty happy with the results that they've had so far in 2020, and it is it is absolutely not uh, what was expected when we were forecasting this time next year or this time last year. Now, looking forward to 2021. Um, you know those numbers are still also looking positive. It's like I think there's just a fair amount of optimism in in farm country right now, and that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing for uh, for agriculture. That's a good thing for rural America, and that's certainly a good thing for uh, for the equipment manufacturers.
0: You mentioned the strength in small tractor sales. What about the larger tractors? Where are we there?
6: The larger tractors. So when I talk about larger tractors, I'm referring to you know tractors that will be you know above above 100 horsepower, and those have been, you know, when we've had some good numbers throughout the year, the uh, the above 100 horsepower two-wheel drive tractors have been basically flat for the year, down a little bit, um, but basically flat for the year. But because the numbers in October were, were so strong, basically 10% above October sales in 2019, we've pulled ourselves out of that hole, and we're essentially – at the same number of uh, 100 plus horsepower tractors sold in 2019 uh, as were sold in 2020. That's a pretty solid. That's a pretty solid story. The other thing that's really interesting is articulated four-wheel drive tractors. Those big tractors that you know, pretty pretty expensive and pretty much a considered purchase. We saw a jump of 22 percent uh, in the month of October of of those those tractor sales. That's bringing us to uh, you know about one percent over where we were year to date, uh, with that, with that same sector, um, those positive news.
0: Yeah, it is. So, um, what about Canada? They've, they've really had a tough time there. Any improvement there?
6: Canada has been tough and, you know, our, the month of October saw some improvement, uh, pretty much across the board, still some softness in those larger tractors, but if it's, uh, Canada's had such a big hole to, to dig itself out of in, in 2020. Um, so the, the year-to-date numbers are, are still – got a ways to go to get us out of that hole. But I'll tell you, the month of October showed some real signs of life, especially in that under-40 horsepower market where we saw a 30% gain. We saw overall tractors gain at 12% uh, in, in the month of October for Canada, and that's bringing us you know, pretty much close to 10% above for the year – but that doesn't tell the whole story because those larger tractors have been uh, in in such a rough spot for the year. Uh, you know self-propelled combines across the across both both sides of the country uh, so both both sides of the border in Canada, you know we saw some some nice numbers uh, you know we're still down a little bit in Canada for the year. The boy in the United States on self-propelled combines. we're actually seeing some some good numbers. We're up about five percent for the year and in the month of October you're seeing about a you know 14 Fourteen and a half percent gain for the month of October. So combines are a good story on both sides of the border. Tractors are a, are a solid story on both sides of the border. Uh, with the exception of Canada, there's still some softness in those larger tractors that uh, we kind of got to climb ourselves out of that hole. Um, you know, to, to end this year strong.
0: Well, we had speculated if we saw a, a a market rally and things improve, would there be pent up demand? Maybe we're seeing signs of that.
6: I certainly hope so. Again, November is typically a slow month of for equipment sales. So, you know, we're having this rally that's happening, you know, this week. Um, and so, we, you know, our typical cycle is November's a little bit soft, and December a little bit strong. So maybe, maybe those uh, maybe those markets will shake loose in November, uh, or we'll see some of that pent up purchases happen in December, sort of that pre tax uh, those pre tax purchases. I'm optimistic. I always try
0: to be optimistic, but time will tell. Yeah, well, uh, next month's numbers will tell us even more of the story, but uh, encouraging news. Good to talk with you, Kurt. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That wraps it up for today. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. Join us again tomorrow on AOA.